Greetings, and welcome to Portalcasters, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything Skylanders. I'm your host, GF Ditto, and I am joined by my co-host, Inklander, and today we will be discussing the elements of Skylands. The good, the bad, and whether or not light and dark were actually needed. Yes, so hello. Uh, How are you doing, Ditto? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself, Inklander? doing pretty good i'm excited about this topic because this is an integral kind of part of the game so i I can't wait to discuss it i couldn't agree more where exactly do you want to begin why don't we have you list out the elements and talk a little bit about each element and we'll go from there right yeah there are technically 11 elements in skylands if you count the chaos element as an element otherwise the elements in proper elemental order are earth Air, fire, water, life, undead, magic, tech, light, and dark, with the original eight all having a elemental relationship with each other to where some elements are weak to others and strong to others. And then light and dark are weak and strong to each other, and then the chaos element is just just kind of its own thing. It's a pretty cool system that they kind of do away with in the later games, but there was actually a difference in the original game of having like an undead Skylander go up against a life spell punk. Might not have been a noticeable difference, but there was one there because elemental bonuses did exist. And of course, another important thing with Skylanders is the bases and being able to see how their moveset and how their character design are kind of based around a particular element and how they fit into that element and how exactly they work with those elemental base powers. It's really partly one of your first decisions when you're picking out a character. That's actually a pretty important part of the game and does actually kind of affect the in-game stats and the way some things are played. My thoughts are, first, you need to define what an element is before we can talk about what's good and bad about them and the way the system should work. Yeah. I feel as though an element can technically be defined as anything depending on how it's used in a game system. The thing about it is there needs to be balance. And for there to be balance, there needs to be an opposing force. Yeah, makes sense. If we set out these basic parameters, the way they interact with other elements, as long as it remains within a certain amount of balance, fire could also be good against life and earth at the same time. As long as a balance is kept, that's all fine and good, but it's primarily about having an opposing force, in my opinion. To start off the discussion of the good in the elements... I would say a lot of the time in fantasy gaming, or in fantasy settings, period, they go with what I like to refer as the core four. Fire, water, earth, and air. I will always say that these are safe bets, especially as they have a direct opposite. Yeah. And so balance is always maintained there. Yeah, that is one of the things that I really like about Skylanders, is they did try to have this duality to all the different elements. Mm -hmm. And while all of them do interact with each other in terms of strengths and weaknesses, it is still really great to see, like, oh yeah, water has a pairing with fire, earth has a pairing with air. And that's just a really nice thing to see. It really is. And then we get into some of the other elements of Skylands, where it gets a little bit choppier from there. For me, I'm a little bit neutral when it comes to the elements of magic and tech. They are direct opposites, pretty much as opposite as are high fantasy and sci-fi. While they wouldn't normally be seen as elements per se, that's where the neutrality is for me. I have a hard time seeing these as elements per se, But because they are directly opposing forces, there is a balance there, and I can see it working. And it has worked thus far. 
I get that. I mean, there's tons of games that have a lot of different kinds of elements or types or whatever. And I don't think they always necessarily quite fit. But the fun thing is when you're designing a game, you can kind of come up with whatever you want. And, you know, if it fits in, if it works with your lore, then I guess people just kind of have to go with it. Because, yeah, traditionally tech, that's not an element. But it works in terms of grouping a particular type of characters together. Because, you know, they are typically based around some sort of, you know, machinery. You have Drill Sergeant, who's entirely machine-based. You have Sprocket, who happens to just, you know, work on repair machines. And then you have Chopper, who's kind of like a cyborg. A combination between a exoskeleton suit and also a dinosaur. So, you know, you have a whole range of that. But they all still kind of fit right around the same theme. And yes. same thing with magic. All of them using kind of magic attacks i think that works pretty well and those two elements i feel like aren't necessarily some of my favorites and i think it's mostly due to kind of color scheme mostly because especially from just like looking nice on a shelf standpoint you know you have all the water characters which you know except for like wham shell they're all like blues or they're all like kind of sea green you look at them on a shelf and it's like oh yeah those are the water Skylanders. But then if you take a look at the magic element, their color schemes are all over the place. You know, you got Pop Fizz, who's blue. You know, you got Dunebug, who's almost the color scheme that they use for Dark and Trap Team. It's kind of all over the place to where it's just, it's a little weird to me. And so when you look at the magic element, it doesn't feel like as seamless on the shelf. You know, with tech, you get Sprocket, who has red hair, and then you have Chopper, who's bright orange. It's a little disorienting in terms of just how they are presented in the game. Games, but from a conceptual standpoint, I think they work. I 100% understand where you're coming from there, especially having them lined up on the shelves. You're right, the color schemes for the Magic and Tech Skylanders, they vary a lot more. And it's not as, let's say, soothing to look at. Yeah, I would agree. Meanwhile, Fire, that's like red, orange, and yellow. You know exactly what it is. Pretty much. Same thing with Earth. You're going to be getting a lot of, like, browns and a lot of darker tones easy to recognize. Then you get to magic and tech, and it feels like for the first couple games, they were just like, yeah, we don't really kind of know what we're doing with the color schemes here. Like, it felt like for the other ones, they knew exactly what Pantones they wanted to use, and then for magic and tech, they were just like, eh, whatever, we, we don't need a spreadsheet for this anymore. So it's just a little weird, where conceptually, I do think they work. I think Undead also kind of had this issue in the beginning, although one cool thing about the Undead element that no other element has is that their bases are glow-in-the-dark. That was a really cool touch. But I think its pairing of Life and Undead works a lot better. Here's where the discussion kind of turns, because Life and Undead are the two elements that I think are the worst. Oh, really? Primarily because of their names. Life and Undeath are more a state of being than an element. Okay. I don't feel like that's the proper way to be categorizing these characters. If they had called life nature or something like that, well, it's still not an element per se. Mm -hmm. It's an accurate categorization. Yeah. Whereas they called it life, and technically all of these Skylanders are alive. Yeah. Well, except the undead ones. Yes. And I don't feel they directly oppose each other either. Oh, interesting. So there's okay. a lack of balancing there. But I do have more on that topic as we get into the final two elements. So light and dark, they are opposing forces. They do have a balance amongst themselves. Do you feel they were necessary to be brought in or not? See, I, I really don't think they were. One of the reasons why I primarily feel this way is I feel like just from a consumer standpoint, if you knew nothing about Skylanders and you were like a grandmother or something buying this for like, you know, your grandson, and he asked you for like a light figure, 
you would probably go in and accidentally buy a light core by mistake. You know, it's like, oh, it says that it lights up, it has the word light on it, and not knowing anything about the franchise, you might accidentally buy a light core when the kid actually meant that he wanted nightlight. That's a very valid point, actually, and yeah. that comes down to naming just like with the life element. Yeah. Other fantasy settings use holy as the light element, for example. That makes a little bit more sense, I guess, with light. It's a little weird, especially because, like, they already had, like, a light kind of naming convention. And I feel the same way about dark, in that, from a consumer standpoint, it's really weird to have dark sea shadow of the dark element. It's just a little weird because, yeah, like, they're variants, but also it's literally trying to advertise something within the same franchise that's technically two different things with the same word. You know, you have the Dark Edition, where it's Dark Variant Skylanders, but guess what? None of them are actually the Dark Element, except when you get to Superchargers with Dark Sea Shadow. And I mean, of course, you know, you have the Dark Rune Creation Crystal that came with the Dark Starter Pack of Imaginators, but that already sounds confusing, in that you have to specify that it's a different kind of dark than the dark that's actually in the Starter Pack. Yes. The names for me are bad. That's primarily what it is. I can agree with you there. The naming of it is bad. They could have done a lot better if they had, say, gone with the names Holy and Void. Yeah, they definitely could have done something a whole lot better. But then, like, Holy and Void don't necessarily sound like they would pair up very well, you know? It's weird. And I know that when the 3DS trailer for Trap Team happened, in the original, like, trailer for the 3DS, you see the light and dark element on the bottom screen of the 3DS. And so everyone knew that something was happening. And a lot of people were like, oh, it's going to be night and day. Which, while that also kind of is like a little bit more abstract and kind of weird, I would have preferred that naming scheme to light and dark because... Light and Dark's already in use in the franchise in different ways, but Night and Day, that's also very abstract, and I feel like they could have done a lot of cool things with a Night and Day kind of pairing. Night and Day, Dawn and Dusk? Yeah, like, that would have been so cool, but they went with Light and Dark. And I mean, you know, it's not like I dislike the characters that came in there, like, there's only a couple that stand out to me that are kind of not great, like Nightfall, and Astro Blast was, like, kind of okay. Blastertron, because he's a knight and not a quick shot or something. Overall, like, most of them are really solid in design, really cool. The whole Starburst kind of pattern they had for the base is spectacular. The whole shimmering metallic look they had for the paint. Same thing with Dark, and Dark evolved over the years too from entrap team and superchargers it was a little bit more of that purpley green kind of look to them mm -hmm. where it's just like this weird like color shift kind of paint you look at it one way in the light and it's purple one way in the light it's green and it kind of shimmers that was really cool and then the thing that i really particularly liked and i mean i like both these color schemes i think they're both great but the thing I really liked was when they shifted it in Imaginators over to being black with white specks in it. You see that on the Creation Crystal, and you see that in Starcast as well. Like, his whole body is this, like, partially translucent black that has white specks in it. If only they had done that color scheme sooner, if only they had done Night and Day, a night color scheme where it's, like, black with the white specks, and it feels, like, starry, almost, like, outer space-like in a way, very mysterious. Like, that was such a cool idea. And it would have been honestly awesome to see what Vicarious Visions did with that kind of color scheme in a 7. It really would have. I'm not saying that, like, Dark itself is bad, like, it's cool, but they definitely could have come up with a better naming scheme and just 
done something a little bit better with that overall. Absolutely. I've heard people mention to me before that, for example, the dark element could be covered by splitting them into two different elements, primarily magic and undead. Mm -hmm. I've not heard that the same could be done with light. See, and where I've evaluated that and seen that perhaps that could be the case, if you could do so without fundamentally changing the Skylander itself, I could kind of see that point. Yeah. But at the same time, then light is left unopposed. Yeah. The question then is, with life being the other poorly named element, is there any way that those life element Skylanders could be categorized differently, perhaps with the light or whatever? Could perhaps night have encompassed both dark and undead, and day or something encompassed both life and light? And could that have balanced the system? You know, honestly, it would have been interesting to see if they did some sort of, like, nature and supernatural kind of thing. That would have probably worked a lot better, honestly. I love how hypothetical we're getting here. It's just like, what if we just completely relabeled all these elements? Yeah, nature and, like, supernatural probably would have worked really well, because supernatural could have honestly fit light and dark elements with them in a way. Also, having this undead element here, that could have fit a lot of the dark element characters too. Like Hoodsickle or Blackout probably would have made a really cool undead character. They definitely could have worked dark into undead, I think. Maybe not necessarily all of them, but like they could have come up with some sort of way to combine those together. I think it would have worked. Light is a little bit harder because that one's also a little bit more abstract, a little bit more supernatural based. I think light making that like a supernatural and then having like a nature, like renaming life nature, those would have probably paired well really together. And then I think we're just left with like, what do you do with like dark slash undead? Well, in that case, undead could fit very well into supernatural. If you were to put dark and undead into the supernatural category, I think that would fit well. Yeah, then honestly, there you go. You'd have eight very well-balanced elements then. Yeah, I mean, I think that's honestly what they could have done is like, Light and dark, great in concept. Honestly, introduced some really cool ideas, especially with the light characters. That was a great color scheme, a great kind of just overall concept. But, you know, if they had done that earlier and put light and dark and, like, undead into, like, this one supernatural category, that would have given them so much space to work with. That would have been so amazing to see the kind of diversity there and just what they could come up with. That in itself kind of feels like that'd be like the dungeon crawler element. Just like you got the undead, you got the dark, you got the light in there, boom. That would be a cool idea. And then pairing that with changing life into nature, that would have worked really well. That would have given them what they wanted to do. Because I know back when development of Spyro's Kingdom was happening, Paul Ritchie really, really, really wanted to, uh, Paul Ritchie being the head of Toys for Bob at the time, he wanted to have the ten elements in the first game. He wanted to have light and dark in there at the beginning, but they ended up choosing to take them out. They took it out because they figured eight was a good number, and they felt like they already had characters and stuff developed for it. They had ideas based around it. They're like, let's focus on these eight. Let's really flesh them out. And once we feel like we've done a lot with those and want to branch out a little bit more, we introduce light and dark. From what I've just seen from concept art and from what I've heard, I think they talk about this a little bit in the developer interviews for Spyro's Adventure. That totally makes sense is like wanting to do light and dark, but kind of holding off on it. But also at the same time, I feel like because they did that and they waited so long, they're the least fleshed out of the elements. I mean, the chaos element is chaos. He's a portal master. He can control all the elements. He has all the battle classes. That just makes sense. But bringing in light and dark, 
they're always sidelined. Especially because, you know, if you read the story scrolls from Spyro's Adventure, one of them talks about the, I think they call them Elder Elementals or something like that. They talk about these giant characters that also happen to be of light and dark. And it's like, that sounds a lot like they were planning light and dark giants, but then didn't. That would have been cool, especially because we know with all the lore and stuff that happens with Skylanders, is that light and dark were only trapped for a couple of years in this other alternate dimension. We know that they were originally there, but then, with the explosion of the Coralite, got sent into this other dimension, and then only broke free with the explosion of Cloudcracker Prison. So they were only not there for three games before they came back again, so it's like... Alright, so the giants happened 10,000 years before the core of light exploded. Why isn't there a light and dark giant? They should exist. We know they should exist because according to the whole like lore, there should be a light and dark giant. I wish they had been given the treatment they deserved. And some of the other concepts we've talked about today, just the simple renaming of some of these elements, would have brought about such a well-balanced experience overall. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And now it's time to move on to our next segment. Here we are for the legendary treasure hunt, where we try to find the best deals for buying Skylanders. This legendary treasure hunt specifically is based around new in-box traps for Skylanders Trap Team. You would have seen this if you looked on our Twitter. We would have posted this on Friday, so you have a chance to try to hunt with us. This was my idea. I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's make this challenging. Let's try to find new in-box traps at a price of $50 or less. There's a difference between making things challenging and cranking it up to 11. I didn't think it would be that bad, but it was pretty hard. <laughs> it was pretty hard. Yeah. I usually have it really easy with these. Bargain hunting is kind of my forte, but this one was pretty rough. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Unless you're like a new in-box collector, which cool if you are. I am for my chase variants, but not for anything else. There's no reason why you'd want a new in-box trap anyway, but I figured, yeah, let's go for it. For the scoring system, we're using one point for each trap, and also half a point for every $5 under the price limit of $50. And as the host of this week's segment, I am able to award one extra point to whichever law I think is the most unique or the most special, the one that goes kind of above and beyond. So Ditto, what do you have for us this week? What I have for us is a lot of seven traps. Three water trap, two magic traps, one earth trap, one air trap, all new inbox, $49. Which is pretty great. I do believe $7, which is what it breaks down to per trap, is originally what they retailed for. I believe you're right. Yeah, I think it was like $6.99. Yeah, that sounds right. It might have been $5.99 and then $6.99 at Toys R Us because they always upcharged everything. Skylanders a dollar. Or it might have been $7.99 at Toys R Us and $6.99 everywhere. That's the question. I'm sure someone that's listening will now be able to tell us. Anyway, yeah, so it's basically the regular price of a trap, more or less. And honestly, you got some good variety in there. You know, you got a cup of water, you got an air, you got earth, you got some magic in there too. 
it's honestly a fairly well-rounded thing. You know, when you look at, you got one, two, three, four of the ten elements there. That's not too bad. Not at all. Yeah, and you know, if you already have the starter pack, you're able to store a lot of water characters, and you also got a life trap, so that's five. Honestly, not too bad. And you have a variety of sculpts in there, too. You got the magic skull, you got the water axe, the water log holder. It's a huge variety of stuff. Air Jughead. I think this is a pretty good deal. I mean, you got it right under the price point, and it's pretty great. Like, this is retail price, so, I mean, I have to give you the point for that. The extra special point. And then you get seven points for the traps, so that's eight points right there. You don't get any extra half a points for being under, since you are pretty much, like, right at it. I'm only $1 under, so I don't qualify for a half point this time. Yes, that makes your overall total of points 8. I should mention that my lot came from OfferUp. Yes. Now, what about your lot? Yes, so my lot came from eBay, and it's okay. It's two water traps. It's a water jug head and a water log holder. And then it also has the chaos trap. So it's three traps, and the chaos trap is new in box. I mean, it's not the ultimate chaos trap, which came with the dark edition, but you know, new in box, regular old chaos trap. And that goes for a pretty high price nowadays, so that's great. And this lot is $27.99. Pretty decent for that. Overall, like, not too great. You obviously get to trap chaos, which is great, but then you only just get water traps, which if you have the starter pack, you already got a water trap anyway. So honestly, the reason why I gave Ditto the point, a little bit more variety in there. Ditto didn't have a chaos trap, but still, you're able to trap way more variety of villains with Ditto's lot than with mine. Plus the chaos trap, while cool, you can play as chaos, you can only trap chaos with the chaos trap. That's a fair point. Yeah. So a little bit more variety, a little bit more excitement with gameplay, I think, from Dittos. So with mine, I get three points for the traps, but then I am also quite a few dollars under the limit. So I'm about $22 under. That gives me two additional points. Basically, that brings my point total up to five. So it's five versus eight. Ditto clearly wins. Great find, Ditto. Thank you. On the topic of traps, it seems we need to venture off to go fight some more enemies and deal with fighting them. So I think we're going to have to go ahead and hop aboard the Dread Yacht and sail off to our next destination. Here we are aboard the Dread Yacht, soaring high above the clouds. Flynn is leaning against the wheel, eating an enchilada. And I believe I see Spyro off in the distance. Our Dread Yacht Destinations tour today has brought us to the Dragon Temple. Yes, Dragon Temple, a level from Skylanders Imaginators, the last game. What do you like about, what don't you like about it? What, what are your overall thoughts? My thoughts to begin with, I like the overall design of the level. I do believe that the temple could have been more of the level, if I'm being honest. But all the cliff sides and the floating islands, I thought the scenery was actually really nice. I can't really say much for the music, but the scenery was great. There are a couple of things that didn't exactly work too well, but there are some things that did. For example, I think the bridge puzzle was overdone in this level. Okay, yeah. The whole pushing the blocks to get the islands to float, that was a far better touch. I really did like that you essentially got to pick your path, like you do with your Skylander. 
But in this level, you get to pick your path, and you get to do that twice. Yeah. I really enjoy that that's a feature, but I also feel like it wasn't implemented as well as it could have been. My thoughts there, the first path options you're given are fire and ice. I really like these choices, and I like how each path turned out on its own. Either way, the scenery is fitting of the theme. The fire path, you have the nice fire theme. The ice path, you have the nice ice theme. I agree. I tend to lean more towards the fire path, but that's because as a speedrunner, I know the fire path is just a little bit shorter, a little bit quicker to get through. Yes, it is, yeah. But overall, I think they did a good job with those two paths. Okay. The brain and brawn paths, however, absolutely abysmal. Oh, really? Interesting. The only reason anybody ever takes the brain path is for completion purposes. Makes sense. You know, you have to play Skystones and you have to do a lock puzzle. Yes. Whereas the Brawn Path, you have one battle gate you have to get through and that's it. Yep. You do have the battle gong in there, but, you know, you can skip that. So I get that. For me, overall, I wasn't too big of a fan of this level. I thought it was fine, but the thing is, is it felt like this was just a weird hodgepodge of ideas from previous levels, from previous games. That just was weird. It felt like it didn't really cohesively work well with the level itself. As you mentioned, the bridges. So, like, the bridge mechanic from Trap Team made a return in this level. I really like it better in Trap Team. Trap Team has a little bit more fun with it. And, yeah, here, you know, I felt like it was a little overdone. And it was just, like, weird for them to bring back something that you see in, like, Golden Desert, Rainfish Riviera. Like, it's a pretty big mechanic in Trap Team to just, like, kind of suddenly be dropped into this level. It was a little... A little odd to me. And then the different paths, of course, like that's the Oracle from Skylanders Giants. It's the same idea, but I don't like the way that this level does it because I feel like the paths, the fire and ice, and also the brain and brawn are like way too short. I much prefer the Oracle version because those are actually a little bit longer. They have a little bit more content to them. Meanwhile, like the fire one, you can just like go through in a couple seconds. Ice, as you mentioned, does take a little bit more time. It just felt like they were like little snippets that they kind of just threw into the level for fun to like kind of change up from the like cliffside aesthetic to it. And then speaking of cliffsides and also speaking of dragons, the other thing that this level does and I think does worse is it feels like a knockoff of Dragon's Peak from Spyro's Adventure where you were going to different islands and cliff sides but you know you were flying with a dragon and it was way more dragon themed in dragon's peak meanwhile here you're at dragon temple where all these dragons are supposed to be and they're like missing which that's a cool mystery but then it's like sheep which you know i love that the sheep are evil i love that we're fighting sheep hugo is right that's one of the things that i really really liked about this level this was the introduction to one of my favorite Skylands enemies of all time, and that would be the Barbarian. Yes. I just absolutely love them. Hugo was right, the sheep are menaces, but I love that the Barbarian is a thing. Yeah, so I liked that. I really liked that. I just felt like this is Dragon Temple. Like, let's see some dragons, and you do see them, like, at the very end. And it's just weird to have it, like, Dragon Temple, but it's, like, sheep. Other things that I do like is you do have some increased replayability due to the branching paths, even if they are short. Also, when you're in the, like, snowy sections of, like, the mountain, they have the Glacier Gully theme from Skylanders Giants playing. That was really cool. 
But overall, I don't think this is a bad level. It just felt like they took ideas from previous levels from other games. And they were like, yeah, let's throw this in there and that in there. And now we have a level. It wasn't necessarily a bad level. I just think it suffered in the way that other Imaginator levels do. In that they just kind of took ideas from other games and just like reworked them. They didn't really try to come up with anything kind of unique. A couple of ideas that could have greatly improved the experience. One... End the level right after the boss. Yeah, we got the dragon wings at that point, and we were able to float down to a bunch of little islands. That shouldn't have been part of the level. That should have been part of the overworld or whatever. I agree. The boss itself, the Boastlinger Doomlander, I really enjoy that boss battle, but maybe it could have been better if somehow the paths you chose on your way there had some sort of impact on the boss fight. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have added a lot of replayability. And with that, our tour of the Dragon Temples has come to a close. And we are off to the next segment. Here we are in the hypothetical Skylander 7 that happens to have PvP, and we are going to be doing some more hypothetical statistical reasoning in Archean Arena, where we are going to have Skylander versus Skylander in an imaginary stats off. In this particular episode, Ditto, why don't you go ahead and tell me who you brought to the Archean Arena to fight? Alright, I am joined today... By the one, the only, Lightcore Smolderdash. Oh, interesting. Cool. So tell me a little bit about Lightcore Smolderdash. Alright, Lightcore Smolderdash has a max HP at level 20 of 840 points. Okay. Critical hit, 58. Armor of 31. Speed of 38. And luck of 24. She has the Flame Whip ability as her primary attack, which does 33 points of damage. The Solar Orb, which is a more ranged attack, at 8 points of damage. And Eclipse as the attack 3, which puts her into Eclipse mode. Who did you bring to do combat against Lightcore Smolderdash? Alright, everyone is going to love this, because you and I both hated on this character in the previous episode. This character that I decided to bring to the Archean Arena is Riptide. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I chose Riptide because I wanted to just pick a character I absolutely despised. So I was like, yeah, let's really surprise Ditto and shake things up by picking Riptide. I never saw it coming. Riptide, for those of you that don't know, and I mean really just just don't pick Riptide. But for those that don't know, Riptide's a water element character, has a mixed kind of attack style, who has a health at, and all these stats are at uh, level 20, has a health at 900, a critical hit of 60, armor of 31, speed of 38, luck at 26. His attack 1 is the Horn Tetra attack, which deals 33 damage And that is either swinging the fish or swinging the hammerhead. Charged up, it does 54 damage. The fish toss does 37. And then the third attack is whale on him, 
which is literally just throwing a massive whale onto the ground. And that deals 63 damage and then 8 damage repeatedly for a little bit after that. We, we talked about in the previous episode how Riptide is just bad. But honestly, some of his attacks are pretty okay. Like his primary attack dealing 33, 54 charge, so it's not too bad. His attack 2 with the lobbing, it's okay, but again, it's lobbing. So that's not too great, and it takes a while for that one to land. And then Whale on him, that's honestly his best attack, because that deals 63 damage, and while it takes a second for that whale to spawn in, it deals a pretty decent amount of damage. And that does have a little bit of range to it, way more than attacking with the Swordfish or Hammerhead Shark as the primary. What are you thinking? Who do you think would win this matchup? I would call this matchup really, really close. We're both using mixed combat style characters. We both have a ranged attack that, while yours is a little bit harder because it's a lob, so you would have a disadvantage when it comes to the ranged attacks because mine shoots straight forward. You also probably deal more damage with your fish than I do with my whips. I mean, if you get in too close, I can always charge up my primary attack to slam a sun into the ground for an explosion. Right, yeah. That does go off for 82 damage. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So that could be concerning for me. I do believe it's very close. I'm not sure I could call a winner on this one. Your fish do more damage than my whips, but I can always just pull out an explosion to make up for some of that damage, albeit it's a bit slower because it has to charge. I want to say it's too close to call, but it might just barely be tipped in your favor based on attack speed. In Eclipse mode, I do a little bit more damage, and I'm faster, but I think your fish still does more damage. Right. I also have Whale on him, which is a little slow, but that's 63 damage, and it's it's like a giant whale that falls on the ground. Yeah, it's very difficult to dodge. Yeah, like, that's hard to dodge. It's pretty huge, and so, like, if I'm able to literally just spam that, I could probably take you down, but then again, you do also have some stuff that's able to, like, counter that and also deal some damage to me as well, and there's no necessary guarantee that I'd be able to land whale on them. It is a pretty big attack. It does deal a lot of damage. What's not the most ranged attack ever, like the fish toss definitely is more ranged, it's just hard to aim because it's a lob. I'd probably agree with you, like it might be slightly tipped in favor of Riptide, but I think that this might be a pretty tied matchup. This would have to be a playstyle strategy, see what happens if this was actually in a PvP matchup. Which it could be. Yeah, actually it could be. This, I think, is the first matchup that we've had that's actually realistically possible. It is. This is also the first matchup we've had that was actually realistically a draw. Yeah, that's true. From a theoretical viewpoint, this is absolutely what I would call a draw. Yeah, I would say so. And if anyone in the comments wants to weigh in on that, you know, please do so and let us know who you think would win this. That brings us to the end of today's episode. In the description, you'll find links to our website and our individual channels. Please be sure to follow our Twitter at SLPortalCasters for regular Skylanders discussion and Imaginator design challenges. Thanks for listening, and in the next episode, we are going to be discussing the Gimmicklanders. See you later. Bye.
that gives me um two additional points so i get um four half points so that's two me being mathy 